power of praise. Power up part four, the power of praise. We've talked about the power of the word of God. We've talked about the power of the name of Jesus. We talked about the power of prayer. And today, the power of praise. I got one job today from, for you today. I got one job, and that is to encourage you to open your mouth and give God some praise. I said, open your mouth. <laughs> it is football season, friends. It's football season. And crazy people will be heading to temples all across this country. And they will gather 60,000 strong and they will shout and praise for men wearing tights. Men in spandex. It's weird, this manly country. Worships men in spandex. We got a man not in spandex, but in the heavenly realms. His name is Jesus. He's eternally victorious, and he's worthy of praise. And so I want to encourage you to praise God, even when you don't feel like praising. And I want to challenge you today to start learning how praise brings power to your life. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, that's a hard book to find. If you're not there yet, it's okay. But everybody at both locations, would you stand with me? Stand with me for the reading of God's word from Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about um, a lot of this chapter, but I'm just gonna read one of the key moments in the chapter. It says in verse 10, what's happening right now is Israel is being attacked. Judah, the southern kingdom, is being attacked. And the king of Judah is praying to God, and this is the prayer, this is the end of his prayer, as he uh, faces the onslaught of the enemy, and he prays to God, and it says in verse 10, And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Asir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Now, verse 12, I love this. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless. Can somebody just say powerless? powerless. You need to understand that sometimes it's good to say I'm powerless. It's good to acknowledge that you don't have the power. That's how you get a hold of God's power. He fills the powerless with power. And the king says, we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt, I don't even know at this point what the answer is, what I'm supposed to do from here. I'm stuck, I'm paused, I have no clue. Can I tell you, sometimes that's a good place to be. As long as you do what Jehoshaphat does right here. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you speak to your people? Speak through me. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. Help us to respond to your word. Help us to see Jesus. Him and him only. In his mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a seat at both locations. You take out those notes, make sure you write th some things down. We're going to talk about the three levels of faith in the face of challenges. The three levels of faith in the face of challenges. I don't know what you're facing, but I guarantee you, you've got a challenge somewhere in your life. 
If you don't got a challenge, just wait for it. It'll come. <laughs> the old preacher said, you're either coming out of trouble, going into trouble, or in trouble. And so everybody's going to face some stuff. What do you do when you face a challenge, a relationship challenge, a financial challenge, a difficulty, a, a, a new challenge you've never faced before? What's your response? Well, level one faith looks like this. Write it down. Problem shows up. Prayer goes up. Solution comes down. Level one faith takes prayer. God takes prayer into our problems. We face a situation. We don't know what to do. We say, God, I'm helpless. I need you. Show up here. Help fix this marriage. Change this child. Change this spirit in me. Rescue me from this addiction. Get my eyes off of that stuff. Get my hands off of that. Get me out of this situation. I may have even created it myself. So God, I pray for forgiveness and I pray for rescue. Anybody ever been there before? And God does show up. I said it last week. God always answers. Two weeks ago on a Palm Beach, I said, God always answers prayer. We just sometimes don't like the answer. And there are two answers to every prayer. I, I said there are two, four answers last week here, but there is two responses or two provisions from God in every situation and every problem. And they both begin with C. Sometimes the solution is God changes the situation. Anybody like me, I like it when God changes the situation. I like it when the finances come in. I like it when the relationship gets peaceful. I like it when the job promotion happens. I like it when the increase happens. I like that. I like when God changes the problem. I like when the healing comes into my body. There's a change on the, on the basis of God's power at work through my prayers. But sometimes we don't get change. Sometimes we get a different C word from God, and that's comfort. Sometimes God doesn't change things. He just gives us the comfort inside to go through it. Sometimes he doesn't fix the problem, but he gives us the peace of God in the midst of it. Anybody ever been there? And you didn't know what, I didn't, you didn't know where, it came, you just offered prayer to God and suddenly the atmosphere changed. We're gonna sing a song up here in North Attleboro, the, other side, the atmosphere changes. Like we gotta, we gotta know that even when we pray and don't see the situation change, it doesn't mean that God doesn't give us the comfort in the midst of the challenge. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago in, North, in Apollo Beach and last week here, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what I'm trying to tell you, though, is level one, faith, it gets a problem, and it just throws a prayer up to God, and there's a solution. It's either change or it's comfort. Level two, faith. Write this down. Prayer, uh, problem, prayer, solution, praise. Now, this is where a lot of Christians stay. And uh, I, I, I hope this is where you are in some ways, at least, is that when you have a problem, you offer a prayer to God. God either provides comfort or change. The solution comes. And then listen to this. You take note that God came through. You don't just ignore what he's done for you. And I, I wanna challenge you, and I wanna really encourage this in you, Get yourself a prayer journal that where you write down your prayers and then you wait for the answer to the prayers and you write down how God answered that prayer. You gotta learn how to keep a record of God's goodness in your life, because we forget. We forget, then we get all caught up in what's problem problematic now 
and we throw our hands up and we lose faith and we give and we forget that there were problems we prayed about before. God answered that prayer. God came through in that situation and God did something and we got a record that we can go on with our God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives today. This is what the Bible is really about, actually. You know what this is? This is a record of what God did for Israel. This is a record of what God did for Abraham, what God did for Moses, what he did for David, what he did for Peter and James and John, how he came through in the midnight hour, how he never let his people suffer beyond their ability to uh, uh, undergird it. He, he's a God who comes through, and the Bible's a record to remind us that we don't serve a God who's dead. We serve a God who's alive. We don't serve a powerless God. We serve the all-powerful God. We serve a God for, for whom no problem is too great. I got an app, and I'll give you um, uh, just a free advice here. I got an app on my phone that syncs with my computer and all my devices. It's called Day One, and it's an app. You gotta pay for it, like $35 a year, but I put my prayer lists, and then I put my, my answers that God gives me. Why? I want to remind myself in the future. And I also wanna give God praise for what he did in my past. That's level two faith. But there's another level, it's a secret level that many people get to. And I wanna encourage you to get there and that's what today's about. Level three faith is this, problem, prayer, praise. Solution, praise. You see the difference? See the difference between level two and level three? Level three, solution, praise, or prayer, solution, praise. Level, uh, level two, prayer, solution, praise. Level three, prayer, praise, solution, praise. In other words, I put praise before I see the solution. I don't wait to see it solved to praise God. I don't wait to see my answers come before I offer up a praise, believing that God is able to do it. You gotta learn to get here because a lot of Christians never get here and they wonder why they're miserable. They wonder why they don't see joy in their life. You gotta learn to praise into the problem and on your way out of the problem. I got a record in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas. They were preaching the gospel. They were doing what I'm doing right now. They were telling people about Jesus and they were in the city of Philippi and the Philippians didn't like it. And so they threw Paul and Silas into prison for preaching the gospel. And they got down into the depths, the dungeon of that prison and they put their feet, the Bible says they put their feet in the stocks. And it wasn't like the prisons that we got today. This was painful. They would stretch their legs as far apart as possible to provide the most discomfort in the dungeon of those prisons. And my Bible tells me that Saul and Paul and Silas, they don't just sit there and moan and complain. They don't just sit there and pray about their problem. They start offering up God some praise. They start singing some worship songs in the depths of that prison and then God provided an earthquake and set them and all the prisoners free in the power of God. But they didn't wait. So you can't always wait to praise God until the solution comes. That's, that's just normal faith. I want you to experience supernatural faith that believes even when you don't see God working, he's working. And so I wanna talk about that today. Where's your praise in the midst of your problems. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Look at verse one. It's on the screen, it's in your notes. It says this, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them, with them some of the Meunites. How do you like those nations' names? 
<laughs> this is like Iraq, Iran, and Russia all came against America. Well, this is what it was like for ancient Israel. And they came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Two questions I wanna answer from this verse. Who is Jehoshaphat and what just happened? Because look at verse one again, after this. So after what? Well, what happened was Jehoshaphat, which is a really a good name in the Bible, he was a mighty king, he was a good king, Ancient Israel had a bunch of kings. They had about 50 or so kings between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And out of those 50 some odd kings, there was only about five good ones. 300 years of Israelite history, the monarchy years, the kingdom years, about 50 kings, five good ones. Let me say that again. 50 kings, five good ones. Which just should tell you that it's very common to have bad leaders. It was true in Israel. So anyway, this is about five good ones. Or David, Solomon, except he ended badly. Joash, Josiah, Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, six. Six good ones. And what he had done, what did he do? What is it, the, what is the after this talking about? Here's what he did. You gotta back up into 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and you find out that the, one of the things that he did was in the third year of his reign, it says in verse seven, that he sent his officials to go out into the nation and look what it says, to teach in the cities of Judah. Verse nine says, and they taught in Judah having the book, the Bible as they had it back then, about the first five books of the Bible. And they taught the Bible throughout all the cities of Judah. They taught people God's word. They did what I'm doing. This is how you bless a nation. You don't bless a nation by giving them money. You bless a nation by giving them truth. You change a nation not by voting, but by proclaiming the name of Jesus. What our nation needs is not more tax increase, tax decrease, doesn't need communism or capitalism. It needs the truth of God's eternal word. That's what will change our country and change our culture. <laughs> Jehoshaphat does that for ancient Israel. They start to hear the word of God. And then the second thing that Jehoshaphat was known for, it says this in verse nine of, ch of chapter 19 in 2 Chronicles. It says that he appointed judges in the land. Look at that text. He appointed judges in the land in all the fortified cities. In other words, he put law and order in place on the heels of teaching God's people God's word, they got law and order. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't possibly have law and order in any culture when that culture ignores what God's word says. And what happened, those judges, they go throughout the land of Israel and the scripture, we're not gonna put this on the text, on the screen, you can read it later, in chapter 19, it says, and, and Jehoshaphat administered justice throughout all the land. Now, now young people, listen to me, I, I know that you guys, you 20 and 30 year olds, some odd 30 year olds, you love the term justice. Oh, that's right up in your wheelhouse, isn't it? You love the justice. Where's the just? We need justice. Justice, justice, justice. Social justice. Economic justice. Justice, justice. Let me, let me just tell you. You can't get justice without God's truth. That's what Jehoshaphat patterns for. And you're never going to get justice from secular God-hating people. Because they have no, they have no 
root. They have no foundation in truth. And there's, there's no truth outside of God's truth. Please listen to me. Anybody ever tells you, well, this is my truth. No, there's no such thing as your truth, my truth. There's only one truth. And it's what God has said. Now, you don't have to believe this, and you don't have to like this, and you don't have to come back. But what you will always find is that when I get up on this stage, I'm not going to tell you my truth. I'm going to tell you his truth. You don't have to like it. I don't, I don't mind if you don't like it. In fact, if you're not a believer, I expect you not to like it. But those who are called by our Father in heaven will always listen to the voice of their shepherd. Amen. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So all I gotta tell you is what he's done and what he said, and you'll come. But anyway, Jehoshaphat brings, listen to this again, the truth of God's word and justice to the people. That's what we need, that's what every nation needs. And on the heels of that, look, look what happens on the, back to verse one, look at it. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites, they came up to attack him. Sometimes, you, some of you gotta understand something. Just because you're under attack doesn't mean that you've done something bad. And sometimes the, the Lord will allow you to be attacked after you've done what is right. Please listen to this because Monday morning's coming and you've been to church today and you're gonna be tempted, you're gonna get that, that scathing report at work or someone's gonna treat you nasty or something's gonna happen, you're gonna get a flat tire on the way to work, whatever, I don't know, something's gonna happen and you're gonna say, well, that's what I get for going to church. Sometimes you do the right thing and the enemy comes at you. In fact, I think he comes after those who are doing the right thing more often. If the devil's not attacking you, it might be because he's got no problem with you. Well, that was good preaching. I wasn't even in my notes, so that was good preaching. That's when the Holy Spirit gives it to me. Anyway, so Jehoshaphat does what is right and good and the Lord allows his enemies to attack him. That's gotta be heartbreaking. Then look at verse two, and I, I love verse two because this happens in life all the time. It says, then a man came, uh, back it up on the sl slides, guys. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you. <laughs> uh, they're coming against you. Hey, Jehoshaphat, they're coming for you. Don't you just hate those kind of people in your life? Like, why are you telling me? <laughs> I know. And, and it says, they're coming from beyond the sea and from Edom. And then the last part of verse two, they come, they're in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Engede. Verse three, Jehoshaphat responds just like you and I would. Then Jehoshaphat was what? Afraid. Afraid. Yeah, fear is normal. It's natural. It's the result of the curse. It's the fear is the result of our separation from God. This is the first thing that Adam and Eve felt after they sinned and ate the forbidden fruit. They ate the they were in peace and harmony with God, they ate the forbidden fruit, God shows up, they run and hide, God finds them, what are you doing? He says, I heard you and I was afraid. That's the first testimony of what happened. The reason why people are afraid of almost everything is because there's a separation in their heart between them and God. 
And, and so the inverse is true. When you're connected to God, you have no reason to be afraid. Okay, but it doesn't mean that fearful things won't happen. So Christians, please understand, stop beating yourself up if you feel afraid sometimes. It's just a reminder, you're not home yet. And it's also a call from your Father in heaven to reconnect with him. You got fear? Pray. In fact, you gotta learn to have this like in this uh, Pavlov's dog response to fear in your life. As soon as fear comes in, offer up prayer. That's what, Saul, that's what Jehoshaphat does. It says he was afraid and. Don't just leave it at afraid. Man, I was afraid and. And he set his face to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast. That's getting serious about prayer. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Then verse four, it says, and, look at all the ands in this text, by the way. He sought God, he prayed, and he fasted, and Judah, what's the next word? And Judah, verse four, and Judah, that's what we're doing here today. In, all of, in our two locations today, earlier for first service, but that's what we're doing today. We're assembled. Please understand the importance of getting together as the church. They assembled in the face of their fears. They assembled. And that was one of the things that drove me nuts about COVID, the lockdowns. And I'm never gonna stop talking about it, so don't, don't get upset. <laughs> Just expect it. I'm never gonna stop talking because I was so ticked at what our governmental leaders did to you. They told you, you can go to the liquor store they told you, you can go to the casino. They told you, you can go to the uh, pot distillery or whatever that thing is, the dispensary. They, you can go get high, you can go get drunk, but please, 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 don't go to church or you'll certainly die. Which just shows you what God they serve, what God they trust in. You know why they wouldn't close the liquor stores? You know why? because they knew if they closed the liquor stores, the alcoholics couldn't cope. That's why. That's why there was no legitimate reason to keep liquor available during the lockdowns. But they knew, sociology told them, if you restrict people from drinking, the addict, the addicts won't be able to control themselves. They're that addicted, which, which just betrays the fact how many Christians couldn't come to church, which just portrayed the fact that once even when the church was back open and people wouldn't come back, it just shows you how they were not so committed and addicted to Jesus Christ. Alcoholics are more addicted to alcohol than Christians are to Jesus in this country. That's a serious problem. We gotta get back in touch with loving Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to let him know, if I don't got you, I can't cope, Lord. If I don't got him, I can't manage. And I will never, and I promise you, and I've said this several times, I will never close these doors again. They're gonna have to put soldiers outside to close these doors. And in Apollo Beach. I don't think we have to worry about Apollo Beach. You all know what I'm talking about. So they assembled, they prayed, but there was still one more thing they needed to do. So it says this, 
Jehoshaphat offers up this prayer. And I love, there are some prayers in the Bible that you gotta learn, you gotta learn as models on how you should pray. Look at verse five. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of the Lord, and I'm sorry, in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Look at the first thing Jehoshaphat does in prayer. He talks up God. You, this is not, there's no space in your notes to write this down, but I want you to write it down in the margins. When in prayer, talk up God. Don't talk up your problems. Some of you, you don't pray, you whine. Oh God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh God, oh God, I'm so mad. Oh God, I'm so depressed. Oh God, oh God, oh God, help me. Oh God. All right, yeah, there's places for that, but you know what? At some point, stop. Stop talking about how bad things are and start acknowledging how big God is. You gotta tell him you know who he is. My son Jake, every time we go out, can I have ice cream? And I've talked about this again and again. He's got many tactics to manipulate me into getting him to have, and my, fa my favorite is when he tells me that I can afford it. Because <laughs> I'll say, no, no, no. And he said, come on, Dad, I know you got the money. I'm like, I gotta hand it to you. All right, we're going. <laughs> he reminds me that he understands what I am. You, you gotta do that with your Father in heaven. Don't whine, worship. Don't complain, praise. Got it? God, I, I know. When, I was, when that hurricane was coming and barreling down on Apollo Beach, I was so nervous. I was afraid for our location. Man, we were gonna get what, what Fort Myers got. And so I went to the church early that morning. Some of you followed me on, um, on uh, Instagram and I put the video out there. So anyway, um, I was in this church, what you don't know is I was in the church building early that morning as the hurricane was starting to bear down and I just started to talk to God. And God put in my mind that moment with the disciples in the boat when they cried out, the wind and the waves, and they woke, they had to wake Jesus up. <laughs> don't you care that we drown? And he just wakes up and he rebukes the wind and quiets the waves and everything's calm. And they're like, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? And the Lord put that into my spirit as I started to pray. And so I walked around in the sanctuary in Apollo Beach and I just started to pray. Lord, I know who you are. You're the God who controls the wind and the waves. And so I pray that you keep it from this building and keep it from this church and keep it from their homes. So you gotta pray that you know what God is and who he is and what he's able to do. You can't whine, you gotta worship. Verse seven, it says, did you not, God, drive out the nations before? Lord, you brought us here. That's what you gotta tell God. Lord, you brought me this far. You didn't bring me here to fail. You didn't bring me here to destroy me. And then notice what he says, and didn't you promise to give it to our father Abraham? Then if you read verses eight and nine, he mentions two other names, Moses and David. Now those three names, Abraham, Moses, and David, represent three covenants that God made with the people of Israel. Three, word for covenant is promise. So covenant is a word for, I wanna make sure you're getting this. 
Three promises God made to Israel. Abraham, he said to Abraham, I promise this is your land and you will always have it. By the way, that promise is still true. The nation of Israel still sits on that land 3,500 years after God promised it to Abraham. Number two, the Mosaic Covenant, if you obey the words of this law, the word of God, I will bless you and I'll protect you. So he calls on that promise. And number three promises, the Davidic uh, kingship promise, which is God said, I will always have a son of David on the throne. And Jehoshaphat is like the great, great, great grandson of David. He, and so he calls on the three covenantal promises of God. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, New Testament Christian. Are you aware of the promises God has made to you? So, so that when you're facing trouble, you know what you can call God out on. You can tell, I read your, I read your bestseller. You said you'd never leave me or forsake me. Mm. You said you'd put the lonely in families. You said if I raise my children in the ways of the Lord, when they're old, they will not depart from it. These are your promises, Lord. I'm just calling you out on your promises. And I don't think that insults God at all. I think that pleases God because it tells him that you take his word seriously. You got no peace in your heart. You say, Lord, your word says if I pray, I should have peace. Your word says if I give thanks, I should have peace. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat, he models this for us. And then verse 10, he says, now they're coming to get us. They were, I love the fact that he says, and now the men of Ammon and Moab, whom, whom you said not to destroy, you didn't let us attack these people. Now, the reason why, that God did not let Israel attack Ammon and Moab and Edom is because they're relatives of Israel. Ammon and Moab come from Lot. You remember that weird story where Lot gets drunk and his daughters sleep with him and they have babies? That's where Moab and Ammon come from. Gross but that's their relatives. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And then Edom is the descendants of Esau, who is the brother of Jacob. So these are relatives. And God said, when they came out of Egypt, he said, you can't, you can't touch them because they're your brothers. And then he says in verse 11, and I love Jehoshaphat's honesty. He says, look, in verse 8, he says, you told us not to touch them. Look at verse 11. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out. How many of you have ever said something like that to God? Hey, Lord, you told me to do this, and look at what I'm getting. It's okay. It's okay to voice that frustration with God. But he's not done. Look at verse 12 again. I love this verse. So, God, will you not execute judgment? Will you not, will you not help us? We're powerless. And again, it is so good. It is so healthy, it is so spiritually beneficial to get to a point in your life where you can tell God, I have nothing left. But my eyes are on you. And in that moment, there's another verse where it says they all stood there. This is, verse 13 says they all looked at Jehoshaphat the king and he's making this prayer in front of the people and he gets to the end of the prayer and he says, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on God. This is the king. He's supposed to know what to do. He's the king. I mean, he doesn't even, he doesn't even try to fake it. I, you know what I'm saying? Imagine if I was like, guys, we're facing a serious difficulty. I was Waters Church, and to be honest with you, I have no idea what we're going to do. Like, I was supposed to know what to do. No, he doesn't, he doesn't fake it. He just is honest, and he says, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you, and the whole nation's watching him do this. 
And I love the next verse, verse 14, it says this, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Now Jehaziel is not a name that has taken off with American vernacular, but it should be. <laughs> because in the midst of that prayer, the Holy Spirit moves on this man and it says he was the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. How many of you are glad you're not reading the scriptures publicly today, all these names? <laughs> Leave that to me, okay. A Levite of the sons of Asaph, circle Asaph in your notes, because you need to know who Asaph is. This is the great-great-grandson of Asaph. Who's Asaph? Asaph was the worship leader when David was king. Jehaziel comes from a long line of people who knew how to praise God. When you get in problems and situations that you don't know what to do, Get around people who know how to praise God. That's why you come to church. That's why we pay our worship leaders. That's why you fund them through your tithes and offerings. That's why they work so hard all week to make sure the music is good. That's why we do it on first Tuesdays up here and soon down in Apollo Beach because we need to get around people who know how to lead us in praise and worship to God when we don't know what to do. And so he speaks up. In verse 15, and here's, here's his words. He says, listen to this, Judah and all inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Just underline, do not be afraid. Do you know that 365 times in the Bible, the words do not be afraid show up? 365 times, which that number should tell you something. God doesn't want you afraid for a single day. There's always a word do not be afraid for every day of the year. So do not be afraid. Uh, do not be dismayed, verse 15 here. And then it says, As thus says the Lord, you shall not, uh, the, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now here's the thing. I belong to God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you belong to God. That means everything that's yours also belongs to God. That means my money belongs to God. My children belong to God. My home and my stuff belong to God. My marriage belongs to God. And here's the best part, are you ready? My battles belong to God. You're never alone. He's always watching over you. Verse 17. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then verse 18, it says this, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the house of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. Next word, worshiping the Lord. And it says this, and the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel with a very loud voice. Oh, I love that line. Very loud. Yeah. Some of you watch when we sing a song, you're so stubborn, you don't even open your mouth. And you tell God the excuse, oh, he knows my heart. He knows I really love him inside. Does that work with your wife? Does that work with your sweetheart? Do you say, I know I never tell you I love you, but you understand, I'm saying it with my heart. You have to vocalize praise, friend. You have to learn how to vocalize praise and with a loud voice, 
outpraise the problem. Verse 21, when he taken counsel, this is Joshua, when he taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And look at what it says. And they went before the what? The army. Look at Jehoshaphat's plan. Now, now this will never sell in the Pentagon. Never. Should, should things escalate with Russia, President Biden's not gonna be like, hey, uh, Waters Church, can we get your worship team down here? <laughs> never gonna happen. But this is God's people, not the world's people. And they put the worship leaders before the army on the way into battle. And they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And verse 22 says, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were routed. Verse 26, they took hold of the spoils and they blessed the Lord and they called that name the Valley of Barakah. Verse 27, then they returned every man to Jerusalem and Judea, Judah and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over the enemies. So they, this is what happens, ladies and gentlemen, level, level three faith. This is the, the roadmap, the problem, the prayer, the praise into the battle the solution and praise on the other side of the battle. You gotta learn to sandwich your problems with praise. You gotta learn to praise before you see the solution happen. And that's what I'm challenging you to do today. When things are at their worst, when things are coming at you, when you don't feel like it, open up your mouth and praise the Lord and never let the devil and problems of this life rob you of knowing how to love God and worship God for who he is. In fact, you can go back into the scripture. It says that the nations heard them sing and they got confused and they started fighting each other. Which is just a picture of what happens in the spiritual realm for God's people today. When you praise, the demons that are assigned to attack you don't know what to do. They try to mess with your marriage and you start praising God. You're like, what the heck are we gonna do now with this guy? They start robbing you of your money. They start robbing you of your, they start bringing all these enemies against you and you just, oh, I love you, Jesus. I thank you, God. You are in charge, you are in control. I know everything's wrong right now, but I know you're in charge and I love you and I praise you. And the devil's just like, I have no idea what to do with this nutcase. Sandwich your problems with praise. That's my introduction. Now I got four points and then we're done. Number one, praise teaches us that God's people are never alone. One of the key themes, they came together. They came together. Why we're never gonna close the doors again, we're gonna come together. Verse four, Judah assembled, underline assembled. They assembled. They got themselves around each other. They praised together. That's what we do on the Sundays in our churches. That's why, we, why, why we're here. That's why the worship team starts. That's why the band starts playing music. It's not the pregame show. It's not the time of church that you can skip. Don't do that. Don't model that for your kids. Don't model that for your children. They're watching you. You show them, hey men, you show your kids that real men lift their hands and praise God. They're watching you. Don't show them that you keep your hands down in church and put your hands up in front of the television set when the football game's on. Don't teach them that. I want my kids seeing me worship Jesus more than I worship anything else in this world. 
Men, it starts with you. Don't let your wife lead you to church. You lead her to church. You wake her up, you make her breakfast. Could just be a yogurt and berries, but. Come on, church, let's go, let's eat. Come on, come on, come on. Time to go. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect meeting together. As some people do, this, is com this was common in the first century church, it's common today. Ah, I don't need to go this week. Yes, you do. Encourage one another, especially now, as the day of his return is nearer than ever. The closer we get to Jesus' return, the harder it's gonna be to get to church. So get to church and worship God. What happened in the early church? It says in verse 42 of Acts chapter two, it says this, they devoted themselves. I can't devote you. You gotta devote you. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the apostles' teaching, to the prayers, breaking of bread. And verse 47, praising God. Praising God was part of their environment in Acts chapter two. And they got favor in the eyes of the people and the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. Number two, praise reminds us that God is strong enough and big enough for any problem. You don't talk up your problem, you talk up God. You don't complain and whine, you praise and glorify God. The scripture says, oh magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever, together. We gotta, we gotta magnify his name, not the name of our problem, because his name is greater and stronger than our problem. You understand that the name of Jesus, well, pastor guys, you did such a great job. The name of Jesus is gonna scatter the enemy and cause every demon to flee. So we praise and we remind ourselves he's strong enough. That's what verse six is. Are you not the God of our fathers? Are you not the one who rules? Are you not the one with power and might in your hand? Number three, praise opens our ears to God's word and closes our hearts to our worries. Something shifts physiologically in our body when we praise God. I don't understand it, it's just a work of the Holy Spirit. But you gotta learn to do this when, you're wanted, when you just wanna wallow in misery around your house and your shoulders are slumped and your head is down and everybody is out to get you. You don't feel anything inside of you. You've gotta just resist every unction of your flesh and say, Father, right now I'm just gonna praise you right here in the midst of my misery. I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna tell you how much I love you. I'm gonna tell I know you're God in heaven and on earth. I know you love me. You have a plan for me. You're never gonna leave me. You're never gonna forsake me. You will always provide for me. You'll never let the righteous be forsaken. I'm thankful that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that the work you began in me, you are gonna complete in me. I'm thankful that the best is yet to come. You saved the best wine for last. That you who are in me is greater than he that is in the world and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And before you know it, you start worshiping God. You might start at a zero, but you'll get to 10 if you just start opening your mouth and praising him. And he said, well, what if my neighbor hears? Good. <laughs> Let them hear. I mean, they probably heard some other stuff coming from your house, so it might be good for them to hear that. So verse 12, once you execute, once you execute judgment, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I'm worshiping you, Lord. I don't know what to do, but I'm worshiping you. And number four, praise awakens our spirits and encourages our faith. It wakes you up. That's what praise does, it wakes you up. It wakens what's going on in here. You gotta remind yourself. I, 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 don't, know what you, I don't know about you, but I do that to myself. I gotta remind myself that God is good, that he's able. 
It says they, they rose up early, verse 20. They rose up early in the morning and they went out to fight. Man, man, if war's coming, I'm sleeping in. But because they started to worship, they were ready to war. Because they started to praise, they were awake and alert. Now, follow me camera over here. I'm gonna grab my little prop this morning. I said last, two, last week here and two weeks ago in Apollo Beach that there are two things that complete the power circuit in our life with the Lord. The first one was prayer. Pa prayer is the power plug of your life. And then I said that there's another one we're gonna talk about this week, and that second one is praise. Now, if you remember, I told you, it's like, it's like the electrical circuit, power comes in, but nothing happens until it comes through and goes back to the positive source. That's what the electric, and the electric circuit is an illustration of what prayer and praise does for us. That's, that's what it is. See, see, I got, I got bare wires here. <laughs> I got a plug. And every electrician in the house is like, that's not code. I know, just bear with me for a moment. Because here's the power, here's the, here's the positive. If I plug the positive in, nothing happens. This is where a lot of Christians stay. This is where a lot of, this is where a lot of church people stay. You get in the word, you get in God, you get in the power, it's coming in, it's coming in, but there's no shine, there's no light, there's no helpfulness to anybody else. You know why? Because you have not given God praise. It has not come through you. His goodness must come to you and then through you. And so the moment, the moment that you plug back in and you offer up God what he's given you, the lights go on in your life. So I want you to see something right now. I want you to see something. It's very important as you see this. See, you gotta, let's, let's cut the lights off across this building right now. I don't know if we can do it in Apollo Beach, but you'll see it on the screen. Cause this is where some of you are. We're, you're in the darkness right now. You're facing a, an enemy right now. You don't know what you're gonna do right now. You got, nothing is shining. No lights are on. You have no clue what you're going to do. And you are so confused, but God's word has come into you. God's word has been put in you. And here's what you gotta start doing right now. You gotta start lifting up the name of Jesus. You got to let your light shine in praise. You got to tell yourself, I'm not going to stop praising him. I'm not going to let the state stop me. I'm not going to let the law stop me. I'm not going to let COVID stop me. I'm not going to let my family stop me. I'm not going to let my mother or father stop me. I'm not going to let my friends stop me. I'm not going to let my enemies stop me. My voice shall praise my God no matter what's going on. I'm never going to stop worshiping. And that's how we shine our light. That's how we shine as Jesus' people in this year, in this generation. Hallelujah. I want you to sit back down. We can put the lights back up because I got one more thing for you to write down. It's the sermon in a sentence. I don't want you to leave without this today. The sermon in a sentence is I need to learn to put praise before my problems. I need to learn how to praise even when I'm going through hell because I know my Father in heaven is watching over me. And we sing a song in the church, it's such a powerful song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. You never stop working. We've always got a reason to praise.